today we get to hear um, from Ephesians, but uh, from Joey. And this is, is this your first sermon? That's so awesome. Uh, Joey and Kelsey live like opposite of the, you can't really have opposite of five points, um, but across the street, across this street and that street, um, in, in uh, this awesome little um, penthouse of the apartment building. And um, Joey is a rising middler second year student at Duke Divinity School and is currently spending the summer at Camp Chestnut Ridge. And, and these guys are CCRs uh, as well. Um, but uh, uh, working with kids, uh, he was telling me a story this morning about how he spent some of this week teaching um, the Bible to very small kids and had this one kid, I hope I'm not ruining something in your sermon, this one kid just kept saying, Jesus is a mystery. Jesus is a mystery. So, uh, but I want to invite Joey up and, uh, and, and I'm really excited to hear from him and, and I'm really excited uh, that Oak Church is a place where um, our seminarians and folks that are being uh, trained uh, to think and to speak uh, and to lead theologically um, ha have a chance to, to grow and learn and, and contribute. So uh, come on up, Joey, and uh, invite him up with some round of applause. Nice, nice. Um, okay, yeah, like Chris said, uh, I am a divinity student. I've had to answer the question a lot. Like, why are you in seminary? Because I usually I'm like, yeah, I don't know why I'm in seminary. don't really know why I, why I brought Kelsey out here or why she agreed to come out here. But um, it's been really good so far. We were reflecting about that this weekend, just enjoying Durham. It's like, wow, we don't really know why we're here yet, but it's been really awesome. Um, I would say the one thing that I do feel like I know, like I am pretty sure that the reason that we're here, that I'm in divinity school anyway, is to learn how to read the Bible carefully and creatively and help other people do that. And so at Camp Chestnut Ridge, I've had a, like a blast so far because like the kids, you don't have to teach the kids how to read creatively. They're, all right, they're like automatically creative. So that's pretty awesome. Um, so today, hopefully... I'm just going to be like looking at this short prayer from Paul, eight verses, and we're going to just like read it together. And I, I'll lead the charge, but I mean, this is, yeah, I mean, we've all been reading Ephesians this summer, so yeah, hopefully it's something we can do together. Um, before, I ha before Abby comes up and reads, I just wanted to take like one second and think about like, why, why are we reading Ephesians? Why did... Chris and whoever else made the decision to go to Ephesians, like why, why did we do that? Um, and I, I, think it's, I think it's a really good book to do that with um, because this is like the churchiest of Paul's letters. At least someone, someone said that in a better way, but it's like Paul is so concerned about what does it mean to be a church? How does the church grow up? And so in Ephesus and Acts, there's actually a ton of like a ton of people became Christians, so maybe the church was actually really big and we're really small, but it's the same rules still apply. And like what we talked last week about was the mystery 
what is the mystery? The mystery is Jesus, yes. Colin, the like preschooler, nailed that this week at Ch- Chestnut Ridge. Um, but like the other part of the mystery is that God's family is being expanded. It is not just the Jews anymore. It's not just the people of Israel who are God's family now. God's family, there's like an open invitation to everyone in God's family. It's like everybody can come in. Everyone can come in. Um, Yeah, and I think that, and that's kind of like what he's talking about the whole time. We are adopted. That was like, like one of the first sermons we're talking about. Okay, we're all adopted. We're all in the family. Great. And then... I missed like all the sermons up until last <laughs> last week, so I, you know, I could have missed something really important there. Um, but last week we're like the mystery, and it's just reiterating like, look, those of you who are Jews, those of you who are not Jews, like you are all in one family now. Even though your whole life you've been told like you're in God's family, like you've been born into God's family, your father and your father's father, and blah blah blah, all God's family, you're in. But also the you who like your whole lives were told you're not in God's family. You, you're not the kind of person that like is God's chosen people. You are not chosen by God. Like you are also in like equally. You're equal members in the family. It's not like you got adopted. You didn't. We're all adopted. Okay. And I think that's really, I think that's really awesome that this is the book that we're looking at. Um, and this, yeah, because like all of us here, we're from a lot of different places. Like just met two more Duke students. I don't know if you guys are from near or far. Kelsey and I are from far. You're from Florida. Like, we're all from all over the place. Some of us have lived in this neighborhood for a long time, right? We're coming from all these different places. Some of us feel like, yeah, I like belong in God's family. I've grown up in the church. Yeah, like, I'm meant to be here. I go to church every Sunday. Some of us feel like, you know what? I actually have never felt welcome at church, and it's, like, weird every time I go. And then there's others of us still who've, like, used to feel one way, then another, like the prodigal son. Like, I used to be in God's family, and I got kicked out because I left, and now I don't know what to do. So with that in mind, let's read this prayer that Paul, that Paul wrote a long time for the Ephesians, but a prayer that I think he is still, he and all the saints, are praying for Oak Church and for these other churches all over the place. So if Abby, you could come up, that'd be awesome. are literally my favorite eight verses in the entire Bible. So I hope that God reveals them to you in a way that is new and, and refreshing and puts you in exactly the way that you need this morning. <laughs> I can just yell. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know that this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. 
To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. though um and i my plan is just to go like phrase by phrase and try to that, i mean that's all i did this week was well that's not all i did this week but in preparing for the sermon that's all i did was like look at the verses what have people said about him and just ask like why is he saying this why did he say this because it's not for any reason it is not for no reason that he prays this prayer for ephesians and it's also not for no reason that it you know became scripture too you know so Let's start. For this reason, for this reason, what is the reason? Well, we talked about it last week. The reason um, is because we have access to the Father. That's what the verses before this are saying. Like, because of Christ, we have access to the Father. Like, Jesus is probably literally at the right hand of the Father, like, praying for us right now, like, interceding for us right now. Like, he's our, I was trying to think of all of, all the ways to put that, like, he's our advocate, okay, we don't use the word advocate maybe that often, like, he's our lawyer, he goes to bat for us, he's our pinch hitter, he's our pinch runner, he, you know, I'm thinking about baseball a lot this summer, um, but he's like, he's the dude for us, okay, like, he's right there, and he, he is the reason that we can come before God and we can ask, um, we can ask, you know, as much as we can a- imagine, we can ask him, and Paul can ask on behalf of the Ephesians. So for this reason, because we have access to the Father, I bow my knees before the Father. Um, yeah, I kneel before the Father. Uh, I have a slightly different version, but it's all good. Um, the, the fact, like I really, I ran right through this until I was reading what other people had said about the, these verses. I was like, okay, for this reason, Paul's praying. Uh, Paul's praying to God the Father. But he's not just praying. He says, I kneel before the Father, right? And so a couple people have said, like, no, there's like a reason. Your body posture is important when you're praying. And that's something that I've found to be true. Um, in a, like this, this whole year in Divinity School, we, like seemed like we were talking about prayer all the time, like in spiritual formation, always talking about prayer. Because everyone's like so confused about what prayer is for some reason. Like people, actually Zach is the one that, said this here in the uh, second row. He's like, we are always talking about praying, but I always want to just ask, what are we doing when we're praying? Like, we're talking about praying, but what is it? And, well, what better Sunday to explore that, uh, that question than, like, one whole prayer from Paul. So I kneel before the Father. Why is he kneeling? He's kneeling maybe for a couple of reasons. When you're kneeling, you can't run away. You know, you're really vulnerable when you're kneeling. You're also kneeling... Um, Maybe not so much these days, but, you know, first century Palestine or Asia Minor, like you're kneeling when you're in front of like a dignitary, someone that's really important, someone that, you know, will kill you if you don't like do the right posture before him. That's not the father that we, that we're praying to, perhaps, but um, he is great and he's greater than anyone that could like exert that kind of brute force. So he's kneeling, he's kneeling before the father. Um, If you don't kneel when you pray, give it a go. Try other postures, too. It's very interesting. Um, I bow my knees before the Father, for whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. 
this seemed obscure for me to me at first read. It's like, okay, I guess everyone's like named for God. But then if you think about why is Ephesians being written, it is being written to tell the Christians in Ephesus that you are one family now. You're now one family. So the families you came from, like the Jewish people, okay, Father Abraham, yeah, yeah. Okay, the people that aren't Jews, you're, maybe you're Greek, you're still getting your name from God. Like, God is still your father. The families that you had before you joined this Christian family, that was still, you still got that name from the father. Like, God's the one that made the nations. Like, when he came down to Babel and he gave everyone different languages, like, that was his idea. Like, he did that. So, yeah. So, for us, like, wherever you're coming from, like, that's a place, like, God gave you your family name. God gave you your family history, like, for a reason. Maybe you don't know what it is yet. Maybe you'll never find out, but there's a reason. So, from every family, from whom every family in heaven on earth takes its name. Okay, what is he going to pray? I pray that according to the riches of his glory, when does it say? I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit. Um, one thing that is kind of cool about this prayer is that everything is, Everything's like dialed up. Everything's turned to 10. I think you may like use that metaphor uh, last week, Chris. Like everything is really dialed up. Paul is, as we will see, not a timid prayer, at least not here. So if we think like we're supposed to, I think this sometimes. When I pray, I need to be like pretty realistic. I should ask things that like God can definitely do. We're going to, like we're going to see in here, uh, in this prayer, like, if you, if you think, like, timid praying is the way to go, Paul would say, well, at least in this case, no. You need to ask big, and you need to ask often. And so it's like, out of the glorious riches, he may strengthen you. That we'll see, um, he wants them to know the love that surpasses knowledge. Okay, that seems like logically, like, it seems like that can't happen. He wants to be filled with the fullness of God. He wants us to know that God can do abundantly far more than we can ever ask or think or imagine. Like, Okay, so out of his riches, God is big. He is rich. He, and because he is rich, may he grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being. What's the, they, yeah, okay. Through his spirit in your inner being. This phrase, your inner being. Did anyone find this strange? Like, I've never, like, seen this before. Like, your inner being, okay. My inner Joey. Is that right? Um, uh, a couple of the commentaries I read, they're like, some of them were like, okay, we think that inner being is actually not the right way to translate it. So don't think inner Joey when you read this, Joey, or you obviously insert your name there. Um, think, maybe think inner man, like capital I, capital M, like Jesus, who he goes on to pray. He wants them to be filled with Christ like the Christ that lives in you, may that be strengthened, not your inner me. Like, because, honestly, like, if inner Joey was <laughs> strengthened, like, bad things would happen, you know? <laughs> it's like, it, and we know that's true. Like, we know ourselves well enough at this point. Um, like, we don't want the inner us to be strengthened, at least not all the time. Um, yeah, so may the inner Christ, Christ living in us, be strengthened with power through his spirit, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. 
Okay. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. This is another thing that seemed weird to me. I don't, sometimes Paul will like add something that seems like, why did you have to put that in there? It seemed like he could, it could read, what's this version say? Uh, yeah, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so Christ may dwell in your hearts. Like, why is the period not there? In your hearts. Why is he like tack on through faith? It's like, okay, d- is Christ only there if I believe he's there? That seems like really subjective and that makes me really nervous because sometimes I don't believe he's there, so is he there or not? I think what he's saying is like, it is important that you believe he's there. And I, I think that a lot of us know this from experience, that that's actually true. Not that it's all subjective at all. That He goes on to pray things that will tell us that our relationship with Christ is not based, it's certainly not up to us, totally. We can't get into this all the way. But, um, but it is important, like faith, like our faith that Christ is in us and will be strengthened in us does, does change how we act and just how we are. The people, we, like if you, okay, I have in the past said to myself, like, you know, we, like growing up, we were always talking about, like, you have to accept Jesus into your heart. And it was like, okay, we said this all the time. And then, you know, probably around junior high or maybe it was high school for me, I was like, what does that even mean? Why are we saying that? Like, accept Jesus in your heart. It's like, I don't accept anything with my heart. You know, it's like I accept it with my hands. Like, I hold things. Why? What are we talking about? And so this kind of cynical thinking is not, it's not bad in itself, but when these, like, in, at least in me, like, the, this kind of inner cynicism really, really stops us, you know? And we all catch ourselves at different points, um, I think. We all catch ourselves being cynical, like, you know what, like, based on how I've acted this week, there is, like, nothing divine in me, you know? It's like, there, like, if Christ is in me, then, like, what just happened, you know? But it's important, that's what faith is. Faith is, like, like believing in what we cannot see, being sure of what we hope for, and certain, <coughs> certain of we, what we cannot see. And that includes, like, like, you know, the thing that's like on your mind and the thing that the things that you've done that make you not not want to come in this door or not want to talk to anyone, like those things like did happen. And in spite of it, we must have faith that Christ does live in us and he will and he will work in us and he will do more than we ask or think. Like he'll do he will do it. So I think that's why may, that might be why he tacks on through faith. Let's keep going. It gets even better. Oh, this is what Chris said in the email. If you read the email, um, the, what do you call it, the money, the money passage or something like this. As you are being, okay, so let's just go. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. Let's see. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power. Okay, let's stop. I pray that you being rooted and established in love. I have rooted and grounded, so I'm just going to go with that. Um, honestly, the first couple times I read through this, it, I was not actually thinking about these verses, like these words all that much, but then I was like, in the back of my mind, I was like, yeah, that, like the picture that we have says rooted and grounded. That's like the title of this series. Like it has to be important. Um, 
<laughs> it better be important. Um, and it really is. And so I think there are two really big, two really awesome, at least mental images for me in this prayer. And one of them is this, this rooted and grounded or rooted and established. And a lot of it comes from just working in the garden um, and like especially like the potato plants. If you guys have ever raised potatoes or have seen these potatoes out here, like every time you water them, they flop over and it's like, oh my gosh, I just killed them and I was just trying to water them. But thankfully, they have roots and they also have tubers on those roots, hopefully. And that's like what helps them come back up. It's like, okay, hmm, does this have anything to do with the verses or is that just my brain being random? I, I think that actually has a lot to do with what Paul is praying here because like as we've just said, like the, that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. Okay, you have to, you better believe. Believe that he's there. It's like you have to, every time we water the potatoes, like you better believe that there's roots there because the plants look dead, you know? You have to believe that there's, well, you don't, even if you don't believe, which Kelsey and I have had our skepticisms of the garden, at, like especially at first we plant everything, it's like, okay, hope it just works out because it's like just a bunch of dirt right now. Um, even if, sometimes even when we're skeptical, like the roots are at work. And I think that, um, let's see, what does it say? Yeah, it says that you being rooted and established in love. Okay, love is the root, is that what it is? I think, no, I think it's more specific. I think Christ's love for us, which he goes on to talk about in the very next phrases, that is what our roots are. Our roots are, the roots themselves are Christ's love for us. Maybe the, maybe the tops of the plants that sometimes look wilty, sometimes get knocked down by the wind or whatever, Maybe that's, how, maybe that's how we feel about God. But like the roots, the things that, these roots that he's talking about, these roots like have been set before the foundations of the world. Like these roots go back, depending on what you think, like 6,000 years or like 13 billion years. Like these are old roots. These are the oldest roots ever. Like, and they go so deep. They go billions of years deep. And this is Christ's love for us. Christ's love for you. Like, doesn't, like, yeah, just go with me here. Like, it doesn't matter right now how you feel about what Jesus has done or what he's doing or not, maybe not doing in your life. Like, okay, that's like this top part here. That's like, that's like the leaves or the fruit, maybe. But there's roots there that are alive. There are roots that are alive, and they've been alive for a, like, 13 billion years, like that's so, that's forever. Or 6,000 years, whatever. Like it's, it's still a long time before you were born, before even anyone was thinking of you, before anyone even had your name before. Like these roots have been alive and Christ has said, I love you and I will do whatever it takes to be with you. I will do whatever it takes to grow you into the, the person that I want you to be. I will do it and I am the root. He's the vine, and we're the branches, just to mix the metaphor a little bit. Um, okay, so rooted and grounded in love, in Christ's love, I think. Um, let's see, I'll go with what you have. Um, that you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Let's just stop there. 
okay, before we get into like the, you know, the famous like long, deep, and wide, um, there's this little phrase, and mine said, together with all the saints, together with all of God's people. That seemed like another thing. It's like, seems like it's just like an extra add-on. Why is that there? I think that this phrase, like together with all God's holy people or all the saints, it's like all the people that have gone before us, all the saints that have gone before us, including Paul, including these the Christians that like got like this actual letter from Paul and like like one well, would it be Sunday? I don't know. One day they read it out loud to everyone. Like those first people, like they they've had their own doubts, like we have our doubts about Christ's love for us. And now on the other side of eternity, like they know it in full. They know it in full, if it can be known in full. Like they know it. And they I think I think this phrase, and people differ on this, but I think this this phrase together with God's all the saints or all God's holy people, I think that's why. I think that's why we can say or believe that like Paul and those saints, they're also praying this prayer for us. And that is like the coolest thing. I, I think that's just the, the coolest thing. Like I totally geek out about it because we like have the, all these classes about church history and it's like, okay, yeah, 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 all these dead people. But like if you, if you think this phrase means what I think it means, like they're not dead, they're up there and they're watching. Like Hebrews says in this great cloud of witnesses and if if you've had like a class on Hebrews, you know that like it's not necessarily cloud, maybe more like stadium, like a stadium of witnesses. Like we're the ones on the field right now and all the people that are done playing and retired, they're the ones watching and they're the ones like cheering and praying for us right now. And that is just like the coolest thing to think of. Like all these people that have gone before us, Paul is still praying this prayer for us. And what's even better than that is Christ is praying this prayer for us, but they're with him. It's just so cool. Um, yeah. So they are praying that we can grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. It does surpass knowledge. Um, why? <laughs> why does he want us to know what surpasses knowledge? How can we ever do it? We can't ever do it. Not on this side of eternity anyway. But this, I think there's a lot of different ways you could go with the mental image for how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Um, the, the hymn that Chris sent in the email is a really good one, uh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. It, it talks about God's love like an ocean. There's that one song that we sing about like, like God's love is an ocean, or I don't know how the words to it, but it's like, okay, ocean, that's something that in North Carolina we're fairly close to. Like Thinking of the ocean of God's love I think is helpful in thinking that like you can't see the bottom. You can't see the bottom at all. And you also like it stretches on forever. Like there's this this love, like there's no shoreline. Like there's no shoreline. And I don't know, this is probably too out there and too weird, but like before even the creation of the world, it says God's spirit hovered over the waters. I'm not saying like the waters are is Christ's love, but I'm saying that's like may, maybe, you know, like the these roots go on like they're deeper than the foundations of the world, and this love goes beyond anything. Like before there was anything, God was, and He was love, and He and He foreknew you, He foreknew each one of us, and He foreknew like Lakewood 
yeah, he foreknew Lakewood in Durham. He foreknew uh, Oak Church. And so, I don't know. I think that should give us hope. Um, surpasses knowledge. And that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Hmm. Filled with the fullness of God. That's another like extravagant thing that seems... A lot of times, it's easy to think that that's unattainable, that that's not like going to happen because it doesn't. Some a lot of times we don't feel full of God, um, but this is the thing that uh, we try our best to press towards, and this is the thing that Christ prays for us, and He promises that He will He will complete the work that He starts in us, and I think He'll complete the work that He has for Oak Church too. I think it's really easy for us to think. You know, we are small, or what do we know about Lakewood? A lot of us don't even live in Lakewood. You know, why why does this church exist? I, it exists for a reason, and God knows it, and maybe we don't yet. And what we do is we hold on to the faith that we have, and we pray that each one of us, like some, like some weeks, maybe this week, I'm really hopeful about what we're doing here at Oak Church. Maybe next week, maybe I'll be like down in the dumps, and I'll be like, man, what are we doing? It's like, you don't know who... Well, unless they tell you, like, you don't know, like, where everyone's at, you know, this week or the next week. And so I think our prayer should always be that we would be encouraged and that we would just keep, keep walking um, and keep pressing into, before we even press into what are we doing at Oak Church, we should be pressing into um, what, is our, what is our foundation, what is our root, what is the root that, from which we get all of our nourishment, it's the love of Christ. Um, and then these last two verses are his benediction, which we are benediction today. Um, he says, now to him, I'll read your version. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that has worked within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ. Um, just a couple things before we're done. Um, to him who is able to do, my version says, Abundantly, abundantly far more than all we, all we can ask or imagine. Like so many words that seem unnecessary. But the point is, like, it's more, more, more. Like, think of the most, like, audacious thing you can ask for, and it's more than that. It's bigger than that. It's this ocean without any shoreline. You know, it's this, these roots that go on forever. Um, he's able to, he has done it, and he's able to do it. Like, he's able to do, like, the things that we want, like, we want to, reach Lakewood. We want to actually change people's lives that live in this, this part of Durham. And we want to like, change each other's lives too, right? We want to see people, we want to be God's people and we want to help each other grow up in that. Seems really unrealistic sometimes, just being honest. It really does. But, but we're, like, we're supposed to pray these big things and God is able to do it. He's able to do it. And I think, I think that's something we just need to remind ourselves of. I need to remind myself, Kelsey and I remind ourselves of this. Um, and I hope and pray that we'll be able to do this too. Um, he's able to do more than we ask or imagine. And to him be glory in the church and in Christ. In the church and in Christ Jesus. That's crazy. Like, not the Christ Jesus part. It's like, I get it. God's glory is shown in Christ Jesus. Yes. It, yes. But his glory is also... Th- like shown in the church. He doesn't say like, hopefully someday it'll be shown in the church. He's like, 
No, like may it be so now. And it is so now. And it, again, it stretches our imagination and it, that seems like, like we've all had, I'm sure, bad experiences in church. It's like, man, I do not like this. Sorry, this is what God's doing. Like this is how he chose to do it and his glory will be shown in it. It will be done. His will will be done and he will get the glory. To all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Um, to close, I just want to um, pray this uh, together with you. Um, and then, yeah, and then we'll continue with the service. God, um, we do we do bend our knees, um, at least inwardly. We are kneeling before you. Um, we are helpless, and we can't do anything without you. Um, please show us the riches of your glory, and please strengthen us. Strengthen the little Christs that are alive in each one of us. Give us power, power by your Spirit. Help us to remember and to know and feel these roots that have that are longer than the foundations of the earth, that we would know that you, that we would know Christ's love for us, that is unending and that it's extravagant and that there's nothing, there's nothing sweeter than knowing the love of Christ. I pray that that would, for those of us who that's never felt real before, I ask that you would show up and that you would make it real, that you would use us to show that love to each other and to this neighborhood and to our coworkers and the people that we really get annoyed by and we don't want to talk to ever. I pray that we would show that love to them. The people that have it out for us, I pray that you would show us how to love them with that extravagant love that you have for us. I ask that, um, yeah, that we would pray for each other. Give us the endurance and just the grit to pray even when it doesn't, even when we don't feel like it, even when it seems pointless, even when it seems like we're talking to the ceiling, that we would, that we would do it anyway. And that we would know that those are the prayers that are the sweetest to you. Now to the power to you, God, who is already at work in all of us, and who is able to accomplish more than we ask or imagine. To you be the glory in this church and in the churches in Durham and in the world. And in Christ Jesus, we ask these things. Amen.